City Quarantined. I'm Liz. That's Aaron. And we are here to talk about season three. We finally made it. We're finally here to episodes that I can't recall seeing. So we're finally starting to get some. I really don't understand that because I definitely did not watch episodes without you. (laughs) I agree, which is why it's so strange. We actually had the exact same problem with Avatar. We just finished binging all of Avatar The Last Airbender last night. And there were absolutely episodes that I had not seen in season three. Had not. No recollection of. That revealed lots of like stuff that threw me for a loop. Like, oh, so that's who's related to who. And that's who did this. Like, Are you talking about with Steven Universe or Avatar? With Avatar. Really? Yeah. There were episodes when we watched last time. I'm like, I don't remember that. Or that. Or that. I don't know what's going on. My memory is just going blank in certain places. I You're am just getting thir- old. I am 30 now. It is entirely possible that is exactly what has happened. I am dating an older woman. I know. Dating. dating. You're dating an older woman. Who is she? Tell me. Uh, her name is Liz. <laughs> I think you're married to her. <gasps> no, I'm married to the idea. Ah. Ah. Uh, if you have been enjoying our podcasts about Keep Beach City Quarter about Steven Universe, good news. We're doing 10 episodes a week instead of five now, so you can binge at an even more aggressive rate. Uh, and if you're looking for more content, we also do our Married to the Idea podcast every other Friday. And we just did a birthday episode for me last week that you can go ahead and check out. Uh, but let's go ahead, since we have so many to get through, let's go ahead and walk right into season three. I'm looking forward to it. This is this is a great cluster, <laughs> unlike the cluster uh, underneath. Well, we'll see. Maybe it's not such a bad cluster after all. Oh, it's me. Yeah, it's you. You're getting messages, little ding I'm ding like, messages. I keep hearing What's this beautiful it? chiming sound. There it couldn't be me. It couldn't be. <laughs> Says who? All right. <laughs> Episode one of season three, Super Watermelon Island. Using his astral projection ability, Stephen discovers that the Watermelon Stevens have formed their own civilization on Mask Island. However, when he sees Malachite on the island as well, the gems head into action to fight Malachite as Alexandrite, with the Watermelon Stevens helping them. This is such a a fun little episode. Um, We've seen his astral projection in the past um, with the uh, Chilated. Mm-hmm. but this is the first time he's actually, like, gone into someone. Yeah, actions, like, taking over the actions of that person. Not exactly. just existing in their brain, but acting through them. In fact, we'll even see this ability later in this block of ten episodes again. Uh, so that's one of our questions. Like, how much is this just a Steven thing? Are there other gems that have this ability? Is it because he's part human? How does it play into Rose Quartz's abilities? All these questions about how he has this very specific talent that apparently no other gem that we know of so far knows. Uh, I will say that he's never been doubted for this, and I do like that. There was a moment when he's like, ah, you're just having dreams about Lapis. And then we realized, no, he actually was talking to her. And I think that... He was was projecting himself into her dreams. Is his his uh, man- manifestation was getting projected into her dreams. That's mm-hmm. that's how it was. Yeah, uh, when you say a cute little episode, I think you're right. Like it's almost a little anticlimactic to have the first episode of the season be 
and here's Malachite, and boom, done. <laughs> Mostly because it's all about these cute watermelon Stevens who have their own little watermelon Steven society with dogs and just rolling Herman, babies Herman. up to the house. Like, our new baby, thank you. <laughs> and they just roll, roll right on up, and it's just like, uh, and your baby is grown. There you go. <laughs> you, you finished, uh, it's, it's germinated, it's seeded, it's taken root, and now here is your baby, your new baby Steven. <laughs> your bouncing baby watermelon. Uh, and I do like the whole nose goes sort of King Kong sacrifice that they do of these watermelons. Yeah, that was so uh, like I Very didn't get tribal. it at first, and it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You are a sacrifice. <laughs> uh, well, finally Malachite's back. Took a whole season, but she's finally here, and we get to see Alexandrite again. It's always always fun to see Alexandrite. And I guess I'm really confused as to why Garnet said that Steven shouldn't come on this mission. Um, I think it's a protection thing. They're still a bit overprotective of it. And it's also a little bit of um, writing. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like they've gone through this before and we don't really have like a good indicator of what mission is too dangerous for Steven to go on. Because he seems to go on dangerous ones all the time. And the, there are episodes proving that he should be allowed to they don't have to take it easy on him that he can defend himself. I'm wondering if some of those things turn out to be more dangerous than they realize. Yeah, you think it should be simple and then it gets more complex the further in they go. Yeah. Uh I uh want to <laughs> I want to know like we're looking at Malachite. Malachite's back and it feels like Jasper's definitely taken over Lapis at this point. It's it just is not a healthy fusion. She's she's taking control of the fusion. But uh, uh, I'm sorry, not Jasper. Um, Lapis Lasley, uh, Lapis is definitely still keeping her underwater. Her her bonds keep kind of um, loosening, but she's she's keeping her contained to one kind of area. So it, it's like it's almost like stretching um, uh, like a bungee. You know, at first it's real tight and then it starts loosening and then it keeps loosening, loosening, loosening. So and eventually it's going to break. But it right. It, it's still it's still bonded. We've seen this before in unhealthy fusions like Garnet doesn't talk to herself in two person format. Uh, Stevani, when they're fully fused, doesn't talk in a two-person format, but when they're unsure and scared, that's when it's a two-person format. And it feels Alexandra like... is actually a good example whenever they were trying to eat during the um, fusion dinner. Yeah, and neither of them, none of them could agree on what to do with this. And they were talking to themselves. Uh, so I wonder how much of Malachite, you know, would Malachite ever be a healthy fusion if Jasper and Lapis Lazuli ever had a healthy relationship? Would that actually form a totally different personality for Malachite as opposed to this one where they're fighting each other the whole time? I don't think Jasper is a healthy gym. Um, and I think whenever you have that, it's it's hard to kind of... <sighs> not at this stage in the game, certainly yeah. not. Yeah, and when you, when you start unhe with an unhealthy foundation, you're not going to have a healthy house if you will um that's a shame because i love the design for malachite it's so cool i'm glad someone does oh uh, no I, I think it's just got these water arms and she walks with, like all six like a centipede and this cool hair i i really dig the the design work for her yeah um so it's it's cool to see her again uh see malachite again but um 
it really kind of ends on a on a really big note. Mm-hmm. This this episode. Yeah, we finally uh, we finally like. Now what big note are you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> like what big note? Oh yeah, the freaking cluster woke up. So uh, got to deal with that. Uh, so they and defeat Malachite, and the whole island is falling apart. The warp pad is gone. And Steven is the only one who can get back to the drill in time to enact their mission. And so he's fading out of consciousness out of this watermelon, Steven. Uh, and we get the beautiful little message from Garnet. Oh, one more thing, Steven. We love you. And it's it, like, you don't think he's going to hear it, but it's like the very last second. And then he wakes up into episode two, Gem Drill. With the other gems stranded on Mask Island and the cluster beginning to show signs of forming, Steven and Peridot drill deep underground alone in order to stop the cluster and save the Earth. This is an interesting episode. This is another one of those things where you think it's going to go one way, but it doesn't actually go the way you think it does. It, is, it, does, it, it doesn't progress the way you think it does. I think that having just binged Avatar The Last Airbender that Steven exhibits very Aang-like qualities in that the best course of action is compassion. A peaceful, non-violent route is the best way to achieve balance and harmony. Because this cluster will undoubtedly destroy the Earth. It wants, yeah. It needs to form. That's the only thing in its damage-severed brain. It needs to form. And it's it's basically a god, just a billion voices clustered in one consciousness. It's it's impossible to understand. And yet Stephen manages, works so hard to just be like, "Oh, you guys just need company. Here we go. I can give you company here. We'll bubble all you up. And you can all just talk to each other forever." And it's so not the way I thought the episode was going to go. No, and and it's and I think that's um, that's a sign of a good. Um, set of writers or a good sign of direction or whatever because uh you think it's just gonna they're gonna drill down and they're gonna try to drill and they're gonna try to drill you know they, they might run into uh, issues along the way but they're gonna eventually something's gonna break or you know whether it's the cluster or the drills and they're gonna basically they're going to try to um save the earth well the the big thing is is and and Stephen, you see it early on that Stephen doesn't feel right. Like as they are going down, like it the closer they so get to the cluster, to him. yeah, yeah, as as close uh, as they get closer to the cluster, it doesn't feel right. Like they they get closer and like things start like kind of jumping out at him. He sees like ghosts even, um, and I think this is another form of his astral projection, um, is that he can see other projections and stuff. So yeah, um, it's it's a real. Um, it's like taking a common problem and looking at it from a different angle. Um, you know, like say, okay, well, we need to break down these boxes. Well, instead of, you know, just cutting each one and doing that, well, let's just throw them into a box. Uh, sorry. <laughs> one of those cardboard things where you like literally put it into the thing like, or, you I know, no, no, you have to go back. What is this thing you're talking about? What is a cardboard thing? A box oh, thing? um, they had one, uh, Liz and I used to work at, uh, JC Penney's back in the day, you know, before they declared bankruptcy. Um, they, uh, and you would put cardboard down it, um, and you would press a button and it's like a trash compactor, but all, like you only have one for cardboard. 
So it would just take an intact box and smash it flat. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't. It's not for one. It's like you 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 put a bunch in there, and then after a while you you have to smash it flat, so that way you could put as much into it as possible. Okay. No, I'm sorry. The most experience I had with unboxing was at Pier One, uh, which is also declared bankruptcy. But I worked at that for <laughs> a while too, and I was deemed as a. Not good enough to work the front, so I spent most of my time. You unboxing. were fine. You no, were adorable. It, it's not that I didn't sell the credit cards well, so they're like, "Why don't you just go unbox in the yeah, back?" Yeah, that's that's so. that's not easy to do. <laughs> I don't I don't like doing it, uh, and I do wish that we got to see all of the gems like work together on this. But I do also like it that you know Stephen and Peridot managed to do this road trip together <laughs> and solve this problem. Peridot and Steven on another world in a dementia. And that Peridot is like, <laughs> is just disparaging Pearl, who's like, Pearl said that we didn't have to need any cannons, but I just went ahead. I knew I would need them. And she has her N64 controller shooting gem clusters this off. This doesn't the feel right. Oh, just use the D pad instead. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, that was so good. I do feel like Peridot has like some of the best lines. Every episode, she always gets like the best line. Like again, Peridot. We did not appreciate Peridot whenever we watched this the first time. I don't think we understood the depths of these characters. So, um, but Stephen ends up communicating with a cluster and like kind of going into its consciousness, and it's like we ha- we're so lonely. And he's like, "But you're literally thousands upon thousands of." People like hi, one part of the cluster or one shard. Here's another shard. Why don't you guys talk? Here's another shard. You guys enter the conversation. It's like, and he's like, but I do like when he gets shaken back out, and he's like, I can't do all of it. I can't. And they start all the shards start bubbling each other. That was so cool. You know, on I hate to I hate to bring this up. You know what it reminded me of? What? I'm gonna lose some street cred over this. Uh, what little I have. It reminded me of when uh, Bella was pregnant in the fourth book, and the child like hears Edward say, "Don't move," and it doesn't move, so it doesn't keep hurting its mother. Yeah, I I remember it's like, I remember like, oh, it has a consciousness. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. And it's like, like I thought that was like because it's like it doesn't want to hurt where it's located. So I thought that was neat. No, I you know on I gosh. We could have a whole topic of discussion, and I think we should, about uh, the Twilight books and movies and Stephanie Meyer. I think it's worth talking about this now that it's in the past that we can. It's grown look at nostalgic. It more. It's not even a, no. It's not even that it's nostalgic that we can look at it with more empirical lenses as opposed to ones tainted by we hate everything that fourteen-year-old girls like. I think that <laughs> there's a lot actually to talk about with that, and maybe that'll be on a marriage the idea episode. But I think you're right. The fact that we thought this to be this giant, uncaring, unthinking, unfeeling thing, it's just on a consciousness we can't understand, and. It just, it's on a deeper level, man. It's And it just fixes, it learns how from Stephen to fix itself. And that's what Stephen would want. Stephen doesn't want to hurt people. He doesn't like to attack. It kind of, again, reminds me of Avatar The Last Airbender, where Aang doesn't like to fight, but he will to defend himself. Stephen doesn't like to fight. Stephen will defend himself. He will, you know, shield uh, if, as necessary, you know. Um, but this was it was a great way to kind of 
show how to do exterior uh, or to look at a situation from a different angle. So I, I really enjoy that. I don't think my box breaking down was a good way to do that. <laughs> it's all right. I learned something new about the world. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Well, let's learn. Well, this about... was a this is a great episode. So yeah, let's learn about the same old world because. Lapis Lazuli has nowhere left to go after being freed from her fusion with Jasper, so Stephen shows her the locations Earth has to offer to find her a new home. This this is probably the episode that really made me fall in love with Lapis Lazuli. I think the other ones did as well, but this is the one that like showed who she was. Um, but this is... This is who I think of when I think of Lapis Lazuli, not who she kind of continues to be after this. So it's kind of weird, and I'm not sure where the writers are going with this. And I'm, I'm going to have to keep rewatching these episodes to see. I remember you talking more. about how you didn't like Lapis's eventual uh, emotional state. You didn't like her character development so much. Like it didn't seem like her anymore. But I would posit that the only time she's ever been really truly like happy and smiling and nice is when it's just her and Steven. When it's just the two of them, she has more of that light spirit because he's the only one who's ever treated her decently and kindly the entire time they've ever known each other. Everyone, like, we get our backstory here on what happened to Lapis. We get to the galaxy warp pad, the broken pad out in the middle of the ocean, and she tells Steven that she went to visit Earth for a time, and while she was there, she was mistaken for one of the crystal gems and turned into a servant and then was abandoned and the crystal gems mistook her for one of the enemy and kept her as a servant no one has ever cut her a fair deal in this entire thing except for steven and 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 it's not um because peridot is the one who not peridot sorry pearl is the one who found her and it's not pearl's fault that the the thinking that way but it's still... It's a narrow-minded way. It's yeah. a mirror with a gem in it. It had to have been somebody. It had to have been something. It was a narrow way of saying, oh, it couldn't have been. It's just an object. It's just a tool. I completely agree. Um, so, and that's... Um, but to have her be able to spread her wings and fly, and mm-hmm. and, and it's it's really interesting that we're, we're se- we got to see the progression of Peridot kind of learn and appreciate Earth. We're now seeing lapis as well lapis is going to be a lot more of a shorter one but it's um she's going to appreciate things on a different scale you know she never really had a problem with earth but and she but she never wanted to destroy it but she never really wanted to be on it either so this so she's kind of stuck here but instead of it being a prison it can be a home yeah this is the first time she gets to make a choice yeah like she may be stuck here but she can choose where she lives here she can choose that part of her life. Yeah. Um, and I uh, do like at the very beginning, you know, Peridot's talking about how they went down the drill and Stephen was all, my feelings. And <laughs> just explaining the whole thing. And Stephen's like, just continually like looking back to where Lapis is still passed out. Like, that's what I really care about. Like, I could celebrate, but I really just want to care about her. And when she wakes up and she wants to like go explore the world, she's like, yeah, let's go. I don't care that I just save the world. It's, you are important. Let's go figure out what you want to do. You can go live in Empire City or Jersey. People there hate the Earth just as much as you do. Hey, what? You bums. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> but um, yeah, she is very light and um, uh, spirit, not spiritual, but uh, carefree um, with Stephen. And when I, when she's around other people, she's very guarded and very closed off. So I do. Um, I am curious to see if she does grow that way around other gems. Well, the, or the other crystal gems. Well, it's definitely going to... We're going to see if it works in the next episode, Barnmates. Stephen tries to help Peridot and Lapis Lazuli resolve their past conflicts and get along at the barn. Oh, poor Lapis. Thought she had a perfect uh, secluded home all to herself, and then Peridot just shows up. Hi, Lapis! How's it going? <laughs> 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 oh, poor, poor Peridot. Like, I think you're right, Aaron. Like, we have such... We now have like pivoted so completely on how cool Peridot actually was and how they were building her up because she is so dedicated, tries so hard. She so hard. And Lapis is just She tried and so many times, care. so many ways to just 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 she's trying and like and and it should show from when she was when they were on the ship. Um, you know, with Jasper and uh, the two of them, that you know she was uncaring, she was unfeeling. But now, the fact that she's trying at all should show the the world of difference. And and it's so so sad to see Lapis, who is caring, who does have feelings, just not really care for any of the the stuff that uh, the Peridot is gifting to her or is trying to do for her. Peridot builds a pool. I know Lapis Lazuli's like water. <laughs> and just that cut to Lapis Lazuli's face that the ocean was an endless, crushing darkness, a void from which I couldn't escape. So I'm kind of not doing anything with water right now. I'm kind of, kind of on a break from water right now. <laughs> and, oh gosh, like, the episode continues to culminate further and further. They try the cards and they try the gifts. Yeah, I mean, a card and it's like the most paradox card ever. <laughs> and finally, like we get to what you think is going to be the natural end of the episode. Peridot gives Lapis her tape recorder, her most precious and valued possession. The thing that on any other show, that would be where she understands, oh, I see, she's giving her the thing that made me feel like I could be accepted on Earth, the thing that helped me work through all the stuff I was going through. And she destroys it, crushes it. Now, you know why. Why? Um, so, when after this, Peridot finally gets upset and, you know, finally, explo yeah. Yeah, explodes at... Um, uh, lapis and says what were you trapped in a tape recorder too <laughs> um, because this was a gift that steven gave her and this helped her to cope with her staying on earth and um you know eventually becoming a crystal gem <laughs> the leaner of the crystal gems um, uh, but uh what she doesn't realize is she actually she didn't mean to be malicious I'm actually reading off the IMDb uh, trivia at the moment. Oh, you've got trivia for me. Uh, Peridot didn't mean to be malicious, but Lapis was actually tra tra trapped in a tape recorder, making this a faux pas on Peridot's part. When tr Lapis was trapped in the mirror earlier in the series, she could only communicate by repeating things she heard or saw around her, essentially making her a high-tech sentient tape recorder. Oh, no, I hadn't made that connection until now. Oh, my heart... The feels. Yeah. Oh. I so yeah. It's uh, you you think like 
like you think, oh, she's going to give her this. this. This is what helped me cope. And, you know, and she's and essentially she's basically given another mirror with a gym inside. And she and she of course she hates it. Like, how how do they figure out almost everything that Lapis is going to hate the most? <laughs> On a surface, like, that's the thing. On a surface read, a pool is a great idea for a lapis lazuli. And so yeah. is a tape recorder. It's all good on the surface. But then when you get down to it, like, oh, these are all terrible things that bring up the PTSD of lapis. Like, I mean, I think, I mean, she says it when Steven says, you know, lapis, I don't get to see you unless something terrible is happening. And she just kind of laughs and says, yeah, that's me. But that's really been, like, that's most all. Of, yeah. so much of her existence has been that. Because you have um, the, the in the mirror, that's like the first time they get to hang out, and then whenever they um, the she he releases her, he, she explodes and then takes the ocean with her. Leaves. Then she's trapped on the ship and tells him not to save her. Then she's trapped under the water with Jasper. Is the first time she's not been completely trapped. I I completely understand Lapis's uh, emotional state and her PTSD and her detachment from the world. I get it. I so get it. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't care either at this point. The lapis paradox uh, uh, says, "Well, what do you want me to do? What what is what can I do to make you happy?" And Bar- uh, lapis goes, "Leave," and she goes, "Fine." And lap and paradox walks away. And you think like maybe that's how the episode is going to end? No. She goes running back because the ruby ship shows up. Yeah, this uh, this ship of rubies show up, and like they um, they come to uh and like in investigating and they keep like finding them and not finding them and it's like a kind of an intense chase scene uh and then lapis kind of knocks them out of the air um just with effortlessly effortlessly just basketball palms and right into the ground and i think um what was it uh i think the crystal gems arrived about that time too yeah they show up too to see because they saw what's happening in the sky but all it takes like you can even see we we remarked upon this when we watched the episode that the world gets grayer and darker the more angry lapis and peridot get at each other until they tells her to leave during the fight with the ruby ship it's like that but then the minute that lapis asks if she's okay after the attack her face lights up and all the color comes flooding back into the world right before the ship opens up. And this intimidating as hell Ruby with a gem in its eye just steps out of the ship. You're like, oh, snap. Yeah. And that brings us to Hit the Diamond, which is a perfect title making you think, oh, is it going to be Yellow Diamond? Are we going to get into that? Like, no, the creators are trolling with us. It's actually baseball. A dispatch team of five Ruby soldiers arrive from Homeworld in search of the missing Earth mission leader. To protect Peridot, the Crystal Gems, with Garnet splitting into Ruby and Sapphire again, attempt to get rid of the gullible Rubies by challenging them to a game of baseball. I'm Ruby, and that's Ruby. Ruby, this is Ruby. And over there, that's Ruby. Um, and I don't know if uh, you can pronounce this, uh, but her name is Ruby. <laughs> uh, I d- gosh, this episode is so... It's very Space Jam. Aliens show up on Earth and they challenge them to a sports game to get them to leave. Like, it's it's so irreverent when it could have been really intimidating them just fighting these rubies. And it's like, no, they're actually kind of dumb, so let's trick them into a game of baseball. <laughs> and they're certainly not in the barn, if anyone was asking. <laughs> oh, Ruby. <laughs> oh, man. It was so cute to see these two split up and, like, flirt with each other. And they're like... What are they doing? Lapis goes, they're flirting. And it's like, <laughs> oh, 
Oh. And they're just exasperated. Oh, no. Like, you are going to give away the entire thing. Shape up. Stop it. It's It was hilarious. It's... It's a cute episode, but there's like a lot of stakes behind it, and um, and actually, you just mentioned about like people, like you know, the name of the episode hit the diamond, like oh no, you know, because diamonds are such a huge deal. Um, people actually implied that the, because of the rubies coming out of the ship, this is going to be a huge episode, and no, the creators are trolling. Yeah, it's one of the trivia pieces. So you know, it's kind of funny. I even saw it because I knew that episode was coming when the ruby ship hits the ground. It lands in a diamond. It does something to the ground around it, and it makes make like it a diamond into a shape. Yeah. Shape like where are they gonna find baseball fields? Oh, the ship makes it. Yeah. Uh, I adore, 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 adore all of the crystal gems coming up with human personas. This is Earl, and that's Amy, and this is Bob. Do you know why? <laughs> uh, why why Lapis Lazuli is Bob? No. Yes, there's Tell a me. reason. Oh, there's a reason. Yes, Tell there me. is. Tell me. Lapis Lazuli's chosen name is Bob. Human name is Bob. Because you think you could do like Lapis or uh, Lacey, Lacey or... or something like that. Uh, this is because Stephen previously had responded to her with a phrase, no prob, Bob, leading to My Lapis. My name's not Bob. It's Lapis. Yeah. Oh, um, and she knew how to do the raspberry thing to the guy in Jersey because he taught her in the mirror. Oh, that's cool. It's almost like they have a really deep connection. It's almost like it's your favorite character. <laughs> She's one of my favorite gems. Like I'm honestly, I'm growing to have a huge appreciation to, of all of these gems, but this is a cute ass episode. Um, I love that. I didn't realize this the first time we watched it, but uh, all the crystal gems are wearing different outfits than they normally do, and that is to hide their gems. Like Pearl's wearing a traditional like nineteen, like not even nineteen, like eighteen fifties like baseball outfit with the yeah. low cap. Yeah, and she's she's got the cap. She's got like the striped pants on. Um, uh, Amethyst is wearing a scarf around her neck to hide her gem, uh, and Lapis is wearing just kind of like a baseball raglan tee. And again, it's to hide their gems. And I was like, I never understood. When I watched it the first time, it was to hide their gems. Yeah. Even Steven is wearing like a different shirt to hide his gem. And we see so much again how Homeworld just doesn't get Earth at all because that is to look at a purple being and be like, yeah, that's a human. Uh, hey, didn't they just do something kind of weird and porcupine roll around the bases? I guess that's just what humans do. Just completely oblivious as to how that works on our planet. Yeah. And it's, um, do you want to know what the names of the rubies are? Uh, actually, I already do. It is Ruby, Leggy, Eyeball, Navy, Army, and Doc. Yep. So Eyeball, Navy is the one where it's in its their, uh, navel, but Doc? Yeah, I guess that's the leader, I suppose. There's, there's like, so many rubies. They do a good job, though, of giving them all, like, funny personalities. One of them is a ditzy, forgetful one. One of them doesn't do anything but grunt. Uh, and is the eyeball one, who is frankly the most intimidating of the group. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and you know we see it here. We finally, you know, we talked we talked about this before that homeworld approves of fusion only when it's all same for just to make a larger, more intimidating opponent. All the rubies just line up and make just one giant ruby. <laughs> yeah, so it would be interesting to see if like if we encounter any other pearls and that they fuse together or anything like that. Just so. like a giant pearl. So, yeah, I think you're right. Doc is the leader. So That's what the uh, the general consensus appears to be from 
people writing reviews on it and stuff. So I think I'll it might be them. the one that's where it's in his shoulder or in her shoulder. Sorry. Um, I like that with Garnet splitting up into Ruby and Sapphire that we get some more of their relationship because previously when they've split up, it's been because they have not been happy with each other, that they've been antagonistic and fighting. This is one where they had to split up to keep the ruse going. Um, but you also see why they like each other so much. and They can't even concentrate on playing the dang game. <laughs> hey, watch out. You might get hurt there. Here's how you swing the baseball. <laughs> like, just stop it. Both of you focus. Stop being so damn cute. Lapis Lazuli just bunting the ball and walking the bases, not even trying. <laughs> it, this is this is an adorable episode, uh, but it does end with um, them kind of figuring out that something else is going on, and um, they're and, and Peridot rushes out of the barn because that's where she's been hiding this entire time, and because uh, they form into the the giant ruby. They're about to have a big fight, and she comes running out saying, "It's me you want. I'm the leader of the Crystal Gems." <laughs> And they're all like, what? We're and, not here for you. Where's Where's Jasper? Yeah, we are looking for Jasper. And Oh. Uh, uh, and, and what happens is, something we didn't mention uh, earlier, is that um, after Malachite uh, dissolves um, to Lapis and um, Jasper. They save Lapis, but Jasper falls just into the earth. Just, we have no idea what happens to Jasper. Everything is resolved with... With Malachite and with the cluster, but not Jasper. Jasper's Jasper is out the, there somewhere. Jasper right is now. a loose end. <laughs> um, and uh, as of our, our our viewings, which I know where we ended up now uh, for officially, um, but as of the end of our viewings, I don't know what happened to Jasper. I remember seeing Jasper one more time uh, during another fusion episode with a fusion we have not seen yet. But that's uh, the only one I can think of right now. Hmm. And I won't reveal who it is. Gotcha. Oh, I think I know which one you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Steven just very, just swoops in. She's on Neptune. <laughs> Jupiter. It's like, she's on Jupiter. I, I, uh, she's on a planet. She's, yeah. she's not here. She's, she's, she's somewhere not else. here. She's somewhere else. And they're like, oh, why didn't you say so? And they get right back in the ship and leave. Just so gullible, these rubies. I really do appreciate that. It's a great character trait to give them, that they're these protectors and soldier types, but completely gullible. Ruby, stop being so cute. And Sapphire, keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> I do like Pun that. Unintended? Like, hey, what did I just say? What I just say. Uh, I do like that uh, they split up and, you know, Ruby just flubs how to get them to, away from the barn and that there's a game of baseball and Sapphire saying, I, I saw this was a possibility, though I am surprised this is the path we ended up taking. <laughs> Baseball. <laughs> Not where I thought we were going, but Baseball. Mm, but okay. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's a um it's a fun little episode, especially after some dark stuff that's been happening. So this is kind of where like you can tell that Steven Universe likes to do some like peaks and valleys. Not in even the valleys, and I use quotation marks on it. Even the valleys aren't necessarily valleys. They're just they allow themselves to have fun, kind of like again Avatar: The Last Airbender. I, I I don't like to compare the two shows because they are nothing alike, but the two shows allow themselves to have fun and have a deep mythos. I think that it's a fun to compare because I think our two main protagonists do have a lot in common with them being young goofy kids with an incredible amount of power thrust on them that have to be a part of this new world that they are experiencing every day so i don't think the comparison is so unwarranted uh but we finally finally 
finally leave the barn. We are finally back to Beach City with our next episode, Stephen Floats. Upon returning home with the gems, Stephen discovers he has the ability to float in the air. However, after jumping too high, he becomes stuck in the sky. The gems spent all night attempting to get him back on the ground. This is kind of a cute episode as well. Um, it, the, he, this is the the beginning of, or sorry, the last episode that hit the diamond was the end of the summer episodes, or the because um, you can tell by the, again by the credits. Um, but this is the first episode. He even returns back to the house, um, to where the crystal gems live. Hello house. Hello bed. Hello TV. Hello. Fr- oh my God. Oh, that's where I left that cake. That was a cake. <laughs> and then like he tries to go get a donut and the donut shop is closed, of course, cause it's super late. Um, but it's, he's like, well, you can get a fresh donut. Highly, highly suggestive that cut as if that's the best that is the best thing you could ever have in this world is a fresh donut. I, I disagree with you there, um, IMDB. This is not the first official episode in the summer long event known as Steven's Summer Adventures. Because the credits disagree with you. Sorry. The remaining episodes of the season all air during another four-week special event titled Summer Adventures. It, this is the first one of that. <sighs> you have been foiled. Well, and then I guess the barn adventures are, or the barn yeah. series it's, or whatever. It's still enjoying nice weather. It's still a nice time to hang out at the beach. Just because they're not at the barn anymore doesn't mean that summer is over. They went to the barn to prep for the drill. Now that the drill is gone, back to Beach City. Uh, you're right, though, Aaron. This is a different paced episode. This is a, a deliberate slow down moment. Yeah. You, you can tell that some of the episodes were a lot quicker and they've kind of like they're ramping down. They didn't go from, you know, 100 to zero very quickly, um, but they did go, you know, they did kind of slow down. And this is probably the slowest of them. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> I do love like there are so many laugh out loud moments from this episode. Like the other ones. I've gotten a chuckle here and there, and the rubies are fun, but this one was laugh out loud. They all, uh, and with a C, Steven up there. It's like, can Steven fly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember that he can fly, and then just walks into the house and forgets him for a minute. Like, wait a minute, no, he can't. He comes back out. Garnet, walking away, you hear the smash of a car window, and she comes back with a phone. I found a phone. Whose phone? That's not important. That's not important. <laughs> he just, uh, just steals a phone to call Steven up in the air. Uh, uh, Pearl playing Pictionary with him on the ground. Garnet playing checkers with him up in the air. Amethyst throwing him chips. Just all these adorable, cute moments that I, they spend it, the entire night with him just jumping up. and. Yeah, I love, I love uh, uh, Garnet jumping up and doing like checkers with him. <laughs> Which is a, it's an unfair game to play. Of course she'd win checkers. Yeah. Do something different. <laughs> um, but uh, the story in which Stephen is stuck in midair and asks the gems to keep him company while he slowly falls is similar to the A.A. M- uh, Malign story in which Winnie the Pooh gets stuck in Rabbit's door and asks his friends to keep him company while they wait for him to slim down. At the end of the episode, Stephen even says, oh, bother, like Pooh Bear. Oh, my gosh. That is a good comparison. Oh, yes. It is like Winnie the Pooh. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I do love that. I also love the daydreams that Stephen has about how he's not going to make it to the big donut. And uh, <laughs> Sadie holding up his skull. Alas, poor Stephen. I knew him well. Oh, I knew him well. Just, just hamleting it up out there. Uh, and I do like at the end, he realizes, oh, it's, it's based on my emotions. Just like 
all my other stupid powers. Okay, I'll, I'll make it. <laughs> and, so, um, and then he starts realizing, like he, because uh, he, the reason he floated was because he was so happy to be home. And uh, then he's like, okay, well, maybe I need to like think unhappy thoughts to go down. And so he starts like trying to think of unhappy thoughts. And he uh, he thinks of uh, he's like uh, something, and he goes, my mom. Uh, I I can't get into I can't that. Can't unpack that right now. <laughs> I can't get into not. that right now. <laughs> I do love that. Oh, it's so good. And then finally, he makes it down to the beach, and he's just so happy to see them all. <laughs> and before he can even say anything, Garnet's like, "There's no time, Stephen. Go to the big donut." And he run. run, and he runs. And Pearl's like, "I would have liked a hug." <laughs> I would like to hug. And of course, he gets his first donut, uh, which apparently they start making again because a workplace safety lawsuit was thrown out. So. <laughs> Oh, what kind of dangerous legal territory is the Big Donut hiding in? This was also the episode that we figured out why the Big Donut logo is the way it is, or was yes, that? this. It could have uh, been the new Lars. No, I think it was. I think it, it was is new the new Lars. Lars. But I will say that the reason why the Big Donut T-shirts look that way is that the bite out of the donut looks like a B, as in Big, big donut. donut. Dummy me, just got that uh, one. No, but then no, I said it. No, yeah, no, no, dummy you. I didn't think about it either. And logos are my life. <laughs> I love like figuring out little details and that kind of stuff, like the FedEx and the arrow in it, and uh, like the Toblerone has a bearer. I love that shit. That that I, I, I eat that up. Just like donuts. Just like donuts. I miss donuts. I want donuts. Well, um, yeah, what you got? Uh, so um, this is the first time we ever see his powers fully. But uh, moving on to drop beat dad. Sour Cream's estranged biological father, Marty, returns to Beach City and aids him in hosting a concert, much to the dismay of his stepdad, Yellowtail. Oh, poor Sour Cream. Sour Just- Cream is a is a fun uh, character. He's he he doesn't like he doesn't really like care about a lot. Not like, sorry, not care, but he's just real chill. Kind of goes with the flow, unless it's with DJing. Yeah. I just want to DJ, Dad. I just want to be a DJ, Dad. I gosh. Oh God, I really hate Marty. Like, okay, worst character, Marty or Lars? Well, I'm. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, because I haven't given any arc yet to Marty, it's got to be Marty's the worst character. They haven't tried to make him sympathetic yet. The 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 reason I would disagree, and I would say Marty is a very close second, is because they keep giving redemptions to Lars, and Lars keeps throwing them away. It's like. I keep looking for an opportunity to be a hero and watch as, and wave as they drift on by, <laughs> you know, good old Jack Sparrow. But it's like, I, I, yeah, Marty but- is a terrible. Ca- he's not a terrible character, but he's a terrible person. He's he's terrible to Steven's dad. He's terrible to anyone around him, and he's awful. He's the absolute. It's like, my God, sour cream. Uh, when did you get so tall? Uh, nine years ago. Huh? Oh, has it been that long? Wow, uh, okay. Uh, I do like the episode didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I thought he was trying to make sour cream big, let him be his meal ticket, let him, you know, ride him out of here. And it turns out he was just using sour cream's fame to sell a terrible guac-based soda that isn't even good on chips, as Gua- Ronaldo points out. Yeah, Liz and I are not, neither of us are fans of guac, uh, guacamole, which, I mean... I, we're not saying it's bad, or it's not. But, um, it's, but if uh, if we're at a restaurant, and we can order a dip. It's gotta be cheese dip. Queso. Gotta I be queso. Drink it. Give me queso. Aaron, what? Que- quesoda. 
ew. <laughs> Name, great. <laughs> Concept, awful. So... Um, well, it's I, one more than guac soda has. Yeah, guac soda. There's like they're not even like clever with a name. It's not even like avocado, ava, or um, avocola. Oh, there it is. You dumbass. Maybe Coca Cola already. You know, Coca Cola does weird flavors. Maybe there already is. I maybe, <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah, it's it didn't it didn't go that way. I I kind of thought it could have it could have progressed. You know, it's like oh he's my meal ticket. <laughs> but something we find out later in the the last part of the episode, um, we probably he probably doesn't need that money or he, I mean he already has this you know sponsorship gig with you know Coca Cola. Yeah, he probably well yeah he probably blew through all the money that he earned off of Greg's jingle, which it turned out is why he's in Beach City in the first place to give yeah. him a check for. Ten million dollars. So, um, the the next episode, a trivia, a piece of trivia is okay. In an earlier episode, he says that I get seventy five percent of all your earnings. If Greg got ten million dollars off of that, that means uh, Marty got thirty million dollars. And if he's blown through that already, forty, four. 40. A, a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. W- way more than $10 million. Yeah, and he blew through all of that because he seems like the kind of guy who just doesn't know how to quit while he's ahead. Yeah, he seems, yeah. Like the one, if he was addicted to gambling, he would, Absolutely. St- yeah, he would be, like sell his own arm kind of thing. Yeah. But, so it does feel like I, I'm glad they tied that the, the Greg getting money into an episode with Sour Cream and Fathers and a bad father and a good father because it feels like it's all a very good setup to our next episode. Well, and it also shows that fathers don't always have to be biological and parents don't always have to be biological, which we see all the time with the gems. Exactly. Uh, and we get to our next episode that was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Short Form Animation, Mr. Greg. This... In this special musical episode, after Greg suddenly comes into a great deal of money, he takes Stephen and Pearl on a vacation to Empire City. However, Pearl is having trouble letting go of her resentment of Greg's relationship with Rose Quartz. This is a beautiful and well-done episode. This is... Um, uh, Apparently, they announced that they were going to do a musical episode well before this, and this this ended up being it. Um, and I guess um, the song that Pearl sings, uh, It's Over, Isn't It?, is her first solo song, which doesn't make sense to me because I feel like she's had solo songs, but, but you think the she's the lead in all this. Is her singing with Connie. Yeah. She's a duet, do it for him. And then she had one with Steven, um, but like. They, but this is her first solo song, and my God, is it a powerful song? And this is this this is honestly in like they took influences of from like all the old like classic golden age Hollywood musicals. Like um, I'm not going to name much more than this one, but you know, uh, singing in the rain. Um, because I was it, gonna say Fred Astaire, so yeah, you, Fred Astaire yeah. stuff. Because there's there's a lot of dance numbers, there's a lot of like glitz and glamour. Um, it feels like they took a lot of influences out of that. Where they tell a story, they have some great musical numbers, but they they intertwine a lot better. M- movie musicals have been trying to do that uh, as of lately, but they have not been able to. Um, this has been 
this episode is uh, this is an experience contained in 15 minutes my god 11 how did minutes. they you always say it's minutes. 15 but these episodes are so short 11 minutes how do they do that i don't know it's so tight um but yeah this was the third episode to be nominated for an emmy um the other two were the answer and uh, lion three street to video so this is all the emotional stuff oh all the god. beats uh gosh I really do. Gosh, I had a point. It was in my head, and I lost it. It ran, it ran away with me. No, it's okay. Um, yes. So I just read this book called In Five Years, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but this reminded me so much of that, of two people who both lost someone that they deeply care about, and instead of letting that tragedy bring them together, it just tears them apart that they can't bond over this shared experience because of what they meant to the person that they lost. You'll have to tell me after the show <laughs> or after the stream. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Um, I really liked In Five Years. It's a really fast read if you want to read it, and it just came out. Oh, 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 sorry. You're talking about, the, I thought you were talking about something else. Sorry. No, it's just a, a book that I just read. Sorry. Um, but yeah, the idea that grief can either bring people really close together or just destroy them and tear them apart is. I think this, and it's fraught. I get it. I get why Pearl and Greg do not get along at all. I completely understand because there is such sadness in Pearl explicitly saying that this relationship was more than just fanatical or devotional, that she and Rose were together. And it was okay that she was interested in other people. It was fine because in the end, they were each other's. They, she was hers. I was hers. She was mine. But then she falls in love with Greg, and it's like Pearl's whole world shatters, and she should be fine. It should, it's over, isn't it? I should be fine. I should be able to move on, but I can't. And it shows that Greg was not the first. And I think even um, uh, that, that, that Greg was the first in a long time, but Greg wasn't the first. I think it was the first that Rose truly love yeah i i agree with that but i i don't think greg was the first human that she oh, took no. yeah, it, some sort of affection for yeah the song explicitly states that there were many others but it was yeah. okay exactly um but kind of like not even trysts but like almost like pets you know yes yeah yeah and it, it was okay because you know they had pets you know it, you know you had a pet for a short amount of time and you you grieved whenever it left you and then you but moved on. But you would on. never love it like I loved you. Exactly. So Greg was the first time that it became that. And they hammer again. Like even Stephen awkwardly says it'll be all three of us and don't forget mom and lifts his shirt to show his gem and I'm like oh my god no 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 no. It's oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the perfect amount. Uh, it's got a little bit of comedy um, in it, but it's it's a lot more story based. Uh, or like you 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 are, you feel like you're Pearl being kind of whisked with these musical numbers and stuff like that. And I like I, all these musical numbers. Like um, the first one with Stephen and Greg is is a fun little one. Don't cost a thing. Don't uh, cost nothing. Don't cost nothing. As if, it's a fun little acapella song. No, acapella, but it's a fun little song at the beginning. Um, the Mr. Greg, which is actually kind of an homage to, uh, Mr. Kane from Citizen Kane, even though Citizen Kane was not a musical. I it, didn't think it was. <laughs> uh, it, it's still an homage to that. They did have a, I guess a song like that. Uh, and then 
it kind of leading into it's over, isn't it? And then a reprise of both it's over, isn't it? And, um, oh no, no, sorry. They had, Steven has a number in there yeah. to get him to talk to their, you know, just this nice ballad, you know, it is, you even said it, Aaron, we were watching it and Pearl says, uh, I shouldn't have come. And he says, no, this is why you came. And this he, is what, I mean, this is why we can't keep dancing around this forever. You're gonna have to talk to each other about this because you could help each other. Me, both of you know exclusively what the other person is going through, and you could help each other move past this. I think I specifically like had to pause the episode because um, she sings her song, and I'm gonna come back to the song because it's it's so beautiful. Um, but we, uh, she sings her song, and. Steven kind of watches her the entire time, but what you don't realize is when she finishes and looks out, you think she's seen Steven, but in fact, Greg is awake, and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize, and he like leaves the room, and he goes, and she goes, and she calls after him, she's like, I shouldn't have come, and he goes, no, that's why you came, and I stopped it right after that, I'm like, this is so much character growth in one line. Like, we've seen it a little bit with Lapis, Lasley, and Peridot, and um, even with Ruby and Sapphire, whenever they were fighting um, uh, about the whole Pearl deception. Um, We saw a glimpse of it there. This is where we see his character maturity and growth, right there in that one line. He didn't invite her just because she was there. He invited her because he knew how much difficulty these two have getting along. And he knew it from back then, whenever they first met, to even now, when they have a common you know, reason to get along, a.k.a. him. And he doesn't want them to get along because of him. He wants them to get along. Well, he's the reason why he wants them to get He is the reason why they get along at all, but also... He is a constant reminder that Rose chose Greg. Exactly. Constant reminder. Because she, she mentions it in the song. And like the the fact that he goes, no, that's why you're here, shows Steven is not the same goofy, kind of dorky kid from season one. No, and it just... Man. It blew my mind. I, I did not appreciate it the first time I watched it. I did not appreciate that that line as much as I did watching it the second time. I was, it, it blew me away. It's just like, Stephen is different. Not bad, or in a bad way. Stephen has grown. Stephen has become more. He has become, a, a, he is growing. He is developing. And that shows so much strength in every part and every aspect of this character and in in this show and it, because it's so small and subtle and i just it was beautiful and the dance number you see afterwards and steven playing the piano which you the first time we see but not surprising at all is great and then afterwards is it's a fun little like the reprise of both it's over isn't it and don't um cost don't cost nothing kind of blending them together is a beautiful number, but it's over, isn't it? Needs way more recognition. It is harrowing and sad and beautiful. It is, honestly, it is up there uh, with Garnet's song on the ship. It, it is now probably, it is probably my one of my favorite songs. Like, those two are in competition. Like, this episode is probably my favorite episode of all time. 
Like this is because this is the one. This is the one. Like it goes through so much in eleven minutes. It has four great songs, and it shows so much progression. Pearl does not go, you know, quietly into that good night. <laughs> she she is awkward. She has issues, and they 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 still are a little awkward around each other even after that point. And like she's the one that set, starts the "Don't Cost Nothing." Stephen is the one that sings. It's over, isn't it? And it's it shows so much amazing talent on this show in eleven goddamn minutes. It's over, isn't it? Should be recognized way more than it is. It is a beautiful, harrowing song. It's in there's a shot where Pearl is singing, and I have to I have to say specifically, um, I'm, I'm pulling up her name right now. Uh, Dee Dee Magno is a beautiful singer. She has an amazing voice. She has kind of that Broadway theater voice already, but this song was written for her. So like if someone like it's kind of like almost like um. Defying Gravity was almost written for uh, Adina Menzel in a way. Like Adina Menzel has that kind of vocal. This this song was written for her. You can tell it's so beautiful, and she knocks it out of the park. And there's a shot where she's singing, and the camera um, for the animation is used to swoop around her, and it looks fluid. Yeah, you that's so hard to do in animation. Three sixty spin is really hard to do in animation, and it looks. I mean, like you can see some stuttering, but it doesn't matter because it looks beautiful. There's some awesome choreography where she's dancing on on a freaking pane of glass, <laughs> and she does a backflip and then lands on her back. Like that is amazing. It is it, this entire episode is a masterwork. It it needs more recognition. I think it, it did have the recognition it did it, it got it got an emmy nomination and I'm, I'm so happy it deserved the emmy i don't know what what it lost out to i hate that it lost it's rated 9.5 out of 10 i don't know why it's missing that 0.5 <laughs> there's not much probably that is wrong with this episode probably because you have to drive through jersey to get to empire so <laughs> Um, so I've, I've ranted on about this episode long enough, but this is an amazing episode. Well, we've only got two more to go on our block of ten, so let's see if we can make it work. Uh, our episode nine, Too Short to Ride. Steven, Amethyst, and Peridot visit Funland for the day, but Peridot becomes resentful when using shape-shifting power she doesn't have seems to be the only way to have fun. Um, so we go from like an emotional kind of punching bag to... Very humor, very uh, very much a humor esque as episode. You can almost see Peridot holding up her hands and doing little quotation marks around fun. What is fun? <laughs> and I love that she sees this alien and empath this alien toy that she wants to win and empathizes with it immediately. Look at those big emotional eyes, so sensitive, and its head filled with knowledge. When we all look at aliens, we're like, oh, that's so weird and otherworldly and creepy. It's like, no. It it it's speaking to me. I must have it. It's the it's so fluffy. I'm going to die of this particular episode. I'm like ah uh, yeah uh like just you know you do you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a great episode because uh, Stephen gives uh, Peridot a um, a tablet and she becomes enamored with it immediately and um, she's playing a game and then uh, just d- discovers 
cheaper or something like that, which is their version of Twitter. Um, yeah. But apparently, actually, uh, her discovery of social media led to a real-life Twitter account being set up for her character and maintained by the show's writers. And her tweets are considered canon. Oh, well, that's very cool. Yeah. Like, I don't want to join Twitter, but I kind of want to look into those tweets. But I can't because I don't want to spoil anything for myself. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. When I, that would be fun. Maybe we can find a way to find the archive of it. And then we can like pull up whatever Paradox thought about this week's episode <laughs> into the show. <laughs> it, you know... I really like this one because it talks more about how homeworld gems are built. She wasn't built with shape-shifting powers, so they augmented her and offset that lack of it by giving her technological advancements. Like, how weird, how surreal is that? She was built, and not only was she built, she was built cheaply because they didn't have enough resources. Like, how much do gems, how much does homeworld need to, like, parasitize off of the planets that they conquer to find the materials to make themselves yeah it's um i'm I'm curious to learn more about the home world but i'm also like home world is not a good place and i don't think any gem or crystal gem gives that impression i don't think any of them say oh home world was amazing i think pearl has a little bit of a you know soft spot for it thought it was amazing she did and but I think she, she's starting to realize that the the shine is starting to fade off of her memory on that. Yeah, my leaders aren't the shining beacons of virtue I thought they were. I was purposely built weak and given fancy tech. I do love, oh gosh, I do love that she does find a power though. Like she does find something and then she like cranks her arm in a fishing motion to get her iPad back to her. I love that that is a thing now because that's a cool power to have that's her technology that's that's her specialty um so a little bit of a spoiler but it's um yeah the uh it's either she's a um psycho or sorry not um where you can lift things with your mind psychic psychic no that's where you can read other people's minds not a psychopath um there's, because uh, there's a difference between Professor X and Jean Grey. Telekinesis. Telekinesis. Um, so the difference between uh, uh, psych- psychic powers and telekinesis uh, is you can read other people's minds and you can, you know, move things with your mind. Um, so it's either telekinesis or it's technokinesis. That would be cool. I like that. Um, which would make sense with her with her character. Yeah. So. And I really do like that Amethyst, since she's no longer, like, the youngest of the group, now, like, just not the newest member of it, so now she can, like, turn around and beat a Peridot, like, a cool older sibling. Like, Perry, I'm going to be real with you here for a sec, and, like... (laughs) Uh, Harking back to uh, Drop Beat Dad. Real talk, you know, we're going to get into this. Real talk, real real talk, talk, real talk. I'm going to sit backwards on this chair and flip my baseball cap around so you know that I'm one of you guys. And Amethyst would be the one to talk to her about that because she is informed the way she was supposed to be. And Peridot made explicit mention of that when they went to the kindergarten. She knows that she's not built perfectly and she knows that Homeworld is fallible. It, um, yeah, talking to kids like that just reminds me the one joke that I said that got a laugh when we were doing our not welcomed riffing of um, 
t- uh, surfer teen confronts fear mm-hmm. uh, was how do how do how do I reach these kids? How do I reach these kids? Uh, it's it's you know I think um oh sorry it's a uh, it could be technokinesis it also could be magneto metal bending it could be it could magnetic be. I think we'll find out the more the more she know. does it the more we'll learn about yeah. it but right now. I think it's pretty cool. No one else can do that yet. It's her own no. S- it's her own special Perry thing. <laughs> it is. It is absolutely her own special Perry thing because no one else can, you know, water bend. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. See, maybe this show is more like than we thought it was. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, they each have their own unique power. They sometimes will share powers, but they each have their own unique power of sorts. Like you know, with water manipulation with lapis. Um, future vision with garnet, uh, shape shifting. You know, Amethyst is That's remarkably, remarkably good at shape shifting. Like Stephen can manipulate his body, but not like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then Pearl, she can make weapons out of her head. That's that's a huge power. Mm-hmm. So, um, I do like uh, the crux of the whole thing is that they can't get on the roller coaster, <laughs> and then all of them are too short. Shorty Squad, Shorty too, Squad, too short, and they're like. Steven says, well, I guess we'll just have to maintain a healthy lifestyle and hosts will grow another couple inches by the end of the season. Just eat our vegetables and maybe we'll finally be able to go on the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, shapeshift. Or we could just (laughs) shapeshift. Adult amethyst looks fun. Um, but then, uh, then they find a game and that's where she discovers the alien and it, it ends with her. Oh no, it's not. It's just telekinesis because she's it's, manipulating the rings. The rings are metal. So. so it might be Magneto. We'll, we'll it's, see. It's, mag- it's Magneto Magnesis, but yeah, she puts the 10 rings onto the bottles. And Those also, aren't usually made out of metal. They're usually made out of plastic. That's true, but you can hear the clinking of them. I guess we'll, again, we'll find, find out, out more. Uh, I do like that Mr. Smiley runs this entire amusement park by himself. He's not at all surprised to find Onion trying to burn down the, ro- uh, the first wheel for the second I time. I won't be fooled by that. Oh, my God, he's actually doing it. And Onion with flaming cotton candy is just how? about to set the world on fire. Just how? Agent of chaos, that Onion. Oh, God. Um, True or chaotic neutral. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't care as long as it's burning. As long as he's the Joker. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but yeah, this is a great episode and, and it shows these three kind of, you know, having a little bit of fun as well. So, but moving on to the final episode of this yet little cluster. Another, and yet another, uh, hope that maybe Lars will one day get a redemption arc. The new Lars. Steven attempts to improve Lars's life when he accidentally ends up in Lars's body due to his astral projection ability. Lars's parents are the sweetest, most nicest people in the entire world. She bought him heart gauges for his ears. Honey, could you just maybe work on your schoolwork just a little bit harder? He didn't even swear that time. I think we're getting through to him. I want to know what subjects he's actually doing well in. Like, what subject did he get a B in and what subject did he get a D in? Like, because it it shows his report card and it's F, 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 B, D, F, F. It's like. What did you do that well in? So maybe like it, it as a kid who was you know a C student at best, um, you know I did better in you know newspaper and theater and stuff like that. Stuff that was was a little bit more in, in art. Stuff was a little bit more off the beaten path. Um, it would be nice to know where that stands because so much of Lars feels like just a projection of what he thinks other people want to see. So much of like, you know, even like this sloth koala debate, just like not having anything to say about it. We don't really think he doesn't really seem to do 
much, which is why when Steven takes over his body, he's like, well, let's get active. Let's get proactive and talk to people. And you can tell that everyone's just like, you know, normally Lars is not like very fun or nice to hang out with, but he's kind of a little better, except for Sadie. And again, we have this this nice little dynamic of Sadie knowing who the true Lars really is and that in a very, very sad way that he wouldn't be this nice to her without motive. And he isn't because it's not him. And how readily she accepts that, yeah, it's definitely Steven in there. Absolutely like, not Lars. I'm not Lars. I'm Steven. I got into him. Oh. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Like, she still likes him even though he's a dick to her. It just... It breaks my heart. Like, that he he's one way... Like he doesn't want to be seen around her in public or something. He's so concerned with his impression of what he thinks a cool person should be that he is making himself uncool at every single turn and hurting the people who care about him. Like, yeah, his parents and Sadie specifically. Like, you know, uh, the cool kids, Buck, uh, Sour Cream, and Jenny, um, who are actually, like, really nice and well-rounded kids... Steven impresses them just by being himself and they don't like hanging around Lars because they, he, they can see through his facade very easy. And, um, you know, he's like mean to Jenny because he thinks that's what guys are supposed to do or supposed to be around, around ladies. So, yeah, I feel like there, I, I was wondering whatever gave him that impression. I thought maybe it was his upbringing, but his parents don't seem to be people who would give him the impression of what a man should be or should do. He seems to be re- he seems to be a rebel without a cause. He seems to be James <laughs> Dean. Rebel without a clue. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I I I do have to admit I love his room. I know it's like the attic that they kind of like built up a little bit, but that room is like nice and big. But it's not like uber big because the ceilings are a little lower. They're but they're not like where you have to hunch over the whole time. I was like, holy shit, this was a cool room. It kind of reminded me of Arnold's room a little bit. It's like. Yeah, and they even say that they let him move into the, the, the attic. attic. Yeah, it's like, come on. He's in the attic and said he's in the basement. Both want to be as far away from their parents as possible. Maybe there is a little Ooh, connection between them. I didn't even think about that. Look at you. <laughs> Not even look at you. Like that's really cool. You don't need my uh, accolades, but I'm going to uh, present them anyways. Oh, now that I've reached the the ripe age of thirty, I'm imbibed with such wisdom. You are so wise and old. Okay. <laughs> And wrinkly. These are my knowledge wrinkles. <laughs> so it, this was such uh this is um and it's it's fun to kind of see everyone like running after and then him busting in Steven's door or Lars Steven busting in Steven's door and like, oh my god, our son, a burglar. Well, we were kind of expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um but this this was kind of a interesting <laughs> episode to see what Lars could be and then Lars has a little bit of redemption at the end, but then, you know, the next time we see Lars, I'm sure he's going to be right back down at the bottom. It's it's really sad. I mean, it's cruel just to feel like this is an this is not an episode about Steven. This is an episode about Lars and what he could be. How Lars isn't a person who would compliment Jenny or be nice to his parents or honest about his feelings. And at the end of the episode, they almost the writers are almost implying that that's okay for Sadie. It's okay that he is this way because it's who he truly is. And that's, it's cruel. I think she deserves better than that. I think Lars deserves better than that to be a person who thinks he has to be one way 
or that it's okay to be one way that's clearly not good. I don't know. I don't know what the ultimate goal is for this right here. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, I think Lars deserves something better for his life, but it's not that his life is bad. It's, it's that not. his his mental well being is so flawed that he has to project this of of himself, and that you know no one un- recognized it unless it was Sadie. And that's that is really sad that everyone loved him for this new persona that is really Steven, but except for Sadie, who does actually love him for himself, but himself is a dick. So it kind of doesn't go hand in hand, but it's like it's it's not a square peg in a round hole. It's like the the hexagon peg in the round hole. It fits, but eh, it's barely. And also we get that Lars's real name is Laramie, which (sighs) is great. Also, uh, this does kind of bring up a weird question. This is this would probably be my least favorite episode of this cluster. Um, not because it's bad, but because of the weird character regression with Lars and with Steven a little bit. Because we just had this great episode with showing the progression and um, the new depths of Steven. Um, but he still can't identify that Lars is a jerk. And well, he Steven still... is such a optimist, such a glass half full, sees the brightness in everybody, makes him a card, doesn't cry when Lars just rips it up right in front of him. Just He, he can't understand well, that he could just be a selfish person. But I also think that it's a naivete because people are complicated. It's not yeah. You can't just say I love you to a person and suddenly everything's better. And that is true. Uh, that's very, very true. I'm hoping that eventually Steven realizes Lars is who Lars is. Um. That Lars has to grow from this. Yeah. He has to be better. So, I mean, I would say that my least favorite episode of this cluster is Drop Beat Dad. Um, yeah. I, these, these two are, they're not poorly written by I any means. I feel bad for saying that because we finally get back to Beach City and we disparage both the episodes that have Beach City <laughs> denizens in it. Like, we should be better it's, to these people. It's not about the denizens, it's about, like, how they're they're treating because sour cream is as a well-written character i like his his arcs i like that in his first concert you know yellowtail um vidalia and onion all show up to support him yeah you know i do like that even though marty is there like they don't even show that like vidalia and marty have issues i i mean they never talk but they never show that like oh god is your mother gonna be there oh i can't be there you know <laughs> they don't do anything like that but you know with the new lars they they Unfortunately, with all these Lars-centric episodes, they keep showing that Lars can go up, and then whenever we have another Lars episode, he's right back down where he was. That's my issue with Lars. Um, but yeah, I would agree. These Both of these are the lower. But these are still better episodes than we've had in the past. So, <laughs> Well, Aaron finally gets his favorite episode of maybe the whole series with Mr. Greg. I will say I think that is uh, my favorite, too. However... I really do like Gem Drill. It's got that anxiety and emotional dread that makes me remember episodes a lot. It's got good interactions with Steven and Peridot together. And it's a culmination of this of this event being turned to an entirely different outcome than we thought could even possibly happen. Yeah, and it's, it, it's a very um, well-paced episode. All right, so uh, next week... Tuesday at 5, we're going to be talking about the next 10 episodes of Season 3, which are Beach City Drift, Restaurant Wars, Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service. I love that name. Monster Reunion, 
Alone at Sea, Greg the Babysitter, Gem Hunt, Crack the Whip, Stephen versus Amethyst, and then We Must Decide, because episodes 20 and 21 are completely linked, and I think we should save that for the but, following week, okay, and just do yeah, nine we, episodes. Yeah, we, we might. We may have to. I don't know. We could do 11 or 9, but episodes 20 and 21 are completely linked, and I think we've got to treat them together. Yeah, because then it would only leave um, three episodes at the end. So I think we should do five episodes at the end and do nine for next week. Oh, you think we should go back to... No, 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 no. I'm saying we leave the the kind of two-parter, if you will, for another um, time for another time all right fair enough i think so too because i remember these and they are painful and i do not want to split them up for that reason for for my sake as much as the viewer because i do not want to have to wait to see the outcome of that uh but yeah that will be next week uh as usual Tuesdays at 5 o'clock here on the Married to the Idea channel. You can catch up on all of our old episodes. We've already gone through the entirety of season 1 and 2, both here with live videos on Facebook and with uh, uh, la. <laughs> and with <laughs> podcast episodes on our Married to the Idea podcast. Uh, so you can find that by searching for that on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, and be sure to um, check us out You know, every Tuesday at 5. Um, we try to be pretty consistent. Uh, share the video. Uh, sh- you know, if you've not liked the page, please do so, um, and uh, tell your friends. You know, we're um, we're doing it a bit of a faster pace for now. Remember, we were supposed to do ten episodes, so we we'll do we'll do nine, and then we'll go back into ten. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I, I just realized what you meant with <laughs> That's that. That's what I was meaning. Yeah. You. Oh, we are all connecting. We're firing on all cylinders here. It's I'm okay. Picking you're, up what you're putting it's down. It's all right. You're 29 years old. You couldn't possibly understand. <laughs> I'm too young. Um, but uh, so be sure to uh, you know tune into those times and uh, if you have a favorite episode, um, be sure to you know put it in the comments below. Um, and if you're listening, you know, put it on SoundCloud um, or check us out on Facebook. So, um, but until next time, remember, only, only you can, can keep, keep Beach City, City quarantined. quarantined.